Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Ministries podcast. My name is Chris Birch and I'm the middle school pastor here at Brookwood. This message was recorded at one of our breakout sessions during our phase event. The purpose of this event is to recognize that every life stage of your child's development is critical in their spiritual upbringing. During this podcast, Amy and Jordan will explore the adventure of raising children grades K3 to K5. Also on our podcast, you can find messages for other age groups as well as some specific issues you may face while raising your children to live Christ-like lives. Well, welcome to Brookwood's first ever phase event. We are so glad to have you here. Um, it's, I trust you guys have already had some good um, sessions. But my name is Amy Ott. Um, I am the Preschool Connections Coordinator here at Brookwood. Um, I was trying to think of a really cool way to explain my life. I was like, okay, you know, I gotta want to give a really snazzy intro. And um, the only thing that kept coming to mind was the number five. And that's not how many babysitting jobs I've had, um, as I've had some people ask. And it's not how many kids I've lost in pod B or anything like that. It's actually how many kids I have. So um, I have five kids with my husband, Chris. Um, we have been married for gosh, I guess eight years, a little over. Um, and he's been everything from a youth pastor to an electrician. So he's a pretty handy guy. And like I said, we have five children and some of them grew um, in our belly and well, my belly. And then one of them grew in our heart. I'm um, Alexis in the back. She's 21. She's adopted. She's on the spectrum. And um, she's just been a great addition to our family. She brings so much love and compassion. Um, she was a youth um, in our youth group. And the mom said one weekend, don't bring her home. And so we kept her. Um, and we have had her, I think, since she was 15. Um, Owen is the only boy in the bottom right. Um, he is eight. He is all boy. And you can imagine how he feels in a house full of girls. Um, there's some cousins in there too. So he's actually the only boy in our family. Um, Isabella, she is all girl. Um, she's only 13 months behind her brother. So you can imagine how that goes. It's been interesting. Um, Olivia, she's in the bottom left. She is a princess and a cowboy, and she can beat them at the same time in the same afternoon. Um, she's really versatile that way. She's a lot of fun. Um, Evelyn is the baby. She's down in the front, and she is a comedian. And she's actually in the age group that we're talking about today. So it's been kind of fun to take my experience for my three and my five-year-old and put it into what we're doing uh, today. So as you can see, I run the gamuts. And actually, when I put this together, um, I didn't know it, but I know it now. We will actually be adding later in the year to this group size. So ta-da! Uh, no pictures for that, though. <laughs> so um, anyway, like I said, I'm the Preschool Connections Coordinator, and that's just a really fancy way of saying that I run Pod B. Um, I do the curriculum. They need hugs. They need the extra death mom stare in one of the classrooms. Um, I'm pretty much a lady for that. I was talking to you, a few of you earlier, and getting to kind of see who was in the group and uh, so that I could more um, come to where you guys are. So I wanted to go ahead and see who in here is here as a parent. Okay, great. And who is here as a small group leader, whether it's Brookwood or another church? Nobody, okay. And who is here as a teacher or lay child worker or actually a foster parent? I was talking to a few of those. Great. Great, great. Well, we are so glad to have you here. Um, we're going to start pretty basic. The concept, and I'm sure you've actually heard it. You probably heard it in the opening session. But the concept is 780 weeks and counting from right now. So this is three, four, and five-year-old. You're roughly in that um, 
time frame. So that's how many weeks you have left till graduation. And as I read this, it took me a hot minute to talk myself down from a miniature stroke um, because it was scary to think of my child's life in that way. You just think, oh, they've got their future ahead of them. It's so bright. It's so long. And actually, it's so short term. So um, that is definitely was definitely a scary, scary thought. Now, if you're anything like me, there was two things that happened besides the miniature heart attack. I had a sense of urgency. I was sitting there going, oh my gosh, I've already missed so many weeks. I got I to gotta redo, redo over again. I've failed so far. And that's what leads me to my second point. I started feeling a major sense of failure. And that's okay, because I felt that too. And you might be feeling like, okay, well, the first three, four, five years are blown. Let's get it from here on out. And that's definitely how I felt. So it's understandable. But there is still time. Um, like I said, as I'm sure you've heard quite a few times by now, there are only 936 weeks from birth to graduation. So, and within that time, there are multiple phases. So let's define that phase. A time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. And if you guys haven't checked out what was on your chair, there is a fill-in in there, and we will, I think we're a ways into filling in um, if you guys want to catch up. So... Let's talk about how you as a parent, leader, child worker, foster parent um, of any form can use these phases to help you win. We have two different phases actually that we cover in this age group. The first phrase, uh, phase is the embrace phase, goodness gracious. Um, and this covers three and four-year-olds. Um, and this is pretty simple. It's embrace their physical needs. Um, they depend on you for everything. That midnight sip of water, that fifth midnight sip of water, um, that I've got to go potty three times, bath time, uh, food, you're it. You, you get that job. So, but it's, it's more than just that sip of water. It's more than just that bath time. It's more than just changing the wet bed. By embracing those needs, you're building trust because that's the questions that they're asking right now. Preschoolers are asking, am I okay? Am I safe? Am I loved? Am I welcome? So they're asking those questions, and by embracing those needs, you're building the trust, and you're answering those questions for them. So as we said, guidelines out of love, they will cultivate self-control and confidence, which sets them up for the next phase. And as we supply their, them with their need for the phase they're in, you're always setting them up for that next phase without deficits. So that's important. So this is relevant for anyone who works with children. Motivating through fear and heavy restrictions only breeds mistrust and deception. So that's when that will set in. If we're constantly putting on those heavy restrictions, they're going to find a way around that. My dad always said, and this is something that stuck with me, and that um, I noticed that he always stuck with as he was raising us four kids, is he always said, say yes to everything everything you possibly can and save the nose for the big stuff. And it can be so easy with us having quite a few kids in a short time span, you know, and we're, we're both work and you can just go, oh, but no, no, I don't want to play that video game right now. Or no, I don't want to go throw the ball with you. But then you're, you're cultivating this um, type of attitude. And so he always said, say yes to everything you possibly can and save the no for the big stuff. And that really stuck with me. So the engage phase, this is going to cover kindergarten. And again, pretty self-explanatory. Engage in their interests. Now, there's this movie that I am sure you guys probably are aware of. Oh, that should have sound. <laughs> 
Great. I'm sure. Who in here knows this movie? Yes, everyone knows it. I may have heard a little groaning in the room, too. So with four girls, at any given moment, one of them is feeling it. One of them is like, Elsa, all the way. So I think I could quote that movie from memory and probably braid Elsa braids in my sleep. Um, And while that particular phenomenon may have slowly killed my soul a few times, it did offer a great way to connect with the girls. We sang songs together. We dressed up like Elsa and Anna. We learned new ways to do their hair. We made uh, lots of snuggle opportunities when you're watching it for the fourth time in two days. Um, Lots of snuggling. And so it was a way for me to embrace what they were in, to engage in what they were currently in. And even though it may be Elmo and you just want to die if you hear that voice one more time, it is important that you embrace that because eventually they're going to get to that stage in the later phases where they go, you don't, you don't hang with me on this, this phase. I'm good now. So when they're little, you want to set up that relationship. So use the phase to win. Don't use the face to work against them. That's where it's kind of funny, but it says use their face to win, don't work against them. So it's important to grab the wins in each phase. So here's a question. What are some things you see as parents, leaders, foster parents, child workers that open a window for you to engage with them? What are some things um, that you guys see, whether it's sociologically, some big hits right now going on? What are some ways that you have um, found opens a window for you to engage with them? Anyone? Yes. Pinterest. Exactly. My girls are big into, um, we allow them to do YouTube supervised, and they will just, Mom, let's make this cake. Mom, let's make this Play-Doh Barbie thing. Um, So there are, while I know we're talking about the dangers, and Jordan will cover that later, of technology, there is some great resources there to help you engage with your child more. So as strange as this may sound, saying this in a church, working in a church, you have to go beyond the Bible alone and dig deeper into many resources offered. Um, And even some of the resources offered today, Jordan's got a great list of resources for you guys. So it's important to embrace that you don't have what you need based on your history alone. And that's true. That can be true for me and some of you who have grown kids. Even though I've got five of them, I, I don't have it all. And so it's so important to uh, reach into those other resources um, that are provided you. Now, having said that, you know your child. You are your child's expert. You know your child inside out, and we can just give you these pointers, but everything needs tweaked. So always keep that in mind when you're pulling from resources, when you're pulling from speakers, that you know what's going to work best with your child. And actually, the book that we're offering over there is just a phase. It's actually pretty great about spelling that out. So when I was doing the research for this, I saw these two traps that parents or people who work with children can fall into. They're very easy to fall into, and you hear it quite a lot. So the first trap that you can fall into is they're like us now. Now, what this often means is with a little bit of reason, with a little bit of work, the child can see things as we do. And there's a great quote that says, and it's actually by Reggie Joyner, who wrote the book, it says, children are most like adults in their feelings. They are least like adults in their feelings, or in their thinking, I'm sorry. So in their feelings, they're going to feel all those feelings, but they're not necessarily going to process them the same way in their thinking. So it's important to keep that in mind. The next trap is there like I used to be, and that just plays into that 
phrase that everyone's heard, well, I was a kid once, I was in high school once. Um, and that's, that's a pretty famous line, but I'm not quite 30. But I know that things are a lot different in third grade now than they were in third grade when, when I was there. So things are definitely different. There is a great quote that I think sums up the whole point. And it says, when you assume what you don't know, you risk giving kids what they don't need. Kids need things differently than what they needed back when we were three and four and five and when we were in third and fourth grade. The need is so different now. So basically what all that boils down to is get into the trenches. You got to learn, get into their world in order to better understand it. Improve, grab a hold of resources that can help you. Reinvent. As a parent with a wide range of ages, you have to reinvent. I can't deal with my three-year-old like I do my 21-year-old, obviously. I can't even do that with my seven and eight-year-old. It's, it's just so different. So we're kind of going to go into the nitty-gritty of what they're experiencing through a couple different things. Um, what are preschoolers experiencing physically? Um, they want to do it themselves. <laughs> um, little Miss and Mr. Independent has entered the building. Um, Evelyn, my three-year-old, she no longer wants me to zip up her pajamas. And if I do, it's a whole reprocess. They got to come all the way off. Then you got to put it all the way back on and she's got to do it herself. And every once in a while, she'll let me do the little flappy button. But other than that, she's out. Um, shopping carts are for babies, which lends for great shopping experiences. And she wants to brush her teeth by herself, which... I just cringe because we just know it's not getting done right. Um, one thing that blew my mind is that they're half their adult height. And so I was sitting there like, there's no, there's no way. She's a midget. There's no way. So I was like, I'm going to get this yardstick out and we're going to take bets. And however, 15 years from now, we will see if this is true. Because that just blew my mind. And again, it made me feel, okay, this time is short. This time is short. Um, and then also they are walking backwards and hopping on one foot. And if you're like my daughter, you're jumping off of bunk beds or <laughs> you are jumping into pools or things like that. They're um, oftentimes doing much more than this, but this is kind of the basics for what they're saying they should be experiencing at this time. So what are preschoolers experiencing emotionally? Well, they're ruled by their emotions. Can I get an amen? Um, they're beginning to understand them, but they're not yet able to control them. Um, but sometimes this can lead to some pretty great comedians, for sure. Impulse control? Yeah, what's that? They don't have that. If they feel something, they're likely to act on it. You stash your toy, cry when they don't get their way, hitting, biting, they want it and they want it now. And delayed gratification means absolutely nothing <laughs> to them. Empathy. This is where they're starting to identify that others have feelings too, which is great. Um, they start relating with a friend who's feeling sad or hurt. They may even try to give hugs and kisses to the boo-boos of the stranger on the playground, um, but they are definitely trying to reach out and they're, they're starting to identify that if I feel this, maybe that other child's feeling this. And so that's also um, a great time to really be digging in and, and teaching them those things. What are preschoolers experiencing mentally? Um, preschoolers understand over 70 words. And when I read that, I thought, okay, again, I think this is the basics because I know that there's a lot of preschoolers who are talking nonstop, but this is kind of the basics. When they're just turning three, they should speak and understand at least 70 words. Um, preschoolers have one, one quadrillion brain cell connections in their brain, which is actually double of an adult. So 
tricky little things. Okay, their imagination is in full swing. So preschoolers are being transported far beyond the kitchen table or the backyard. In fact, Evelyn will put on her punzel, short for Rapunzel. She'll put on her dress, and we'll be getting ready to go to the grocery store. And I'm like, are you sure you want to wear that dress to the store? And she says, the princess is going out. So she's going out as we go to the store. So um, in what ways are you seeing the children in your life's imagination grow? After hearing my example, can you guys think of um, any great things that you see your child doing to develop their imagination? Changes the voice to the different people. Exactly. That's a good one. Anything else? Yeah. He is Batman. Right. Right. It's really, really great to see. Um, it gets pretty comical. So in what ways are you encouraging uh, imagination, kind of putting you on the spot? There's, a, there's just a really easy solution to this, and that is play with them. You know, um, one time we were getting ready for Halloween, and I did not have, I was big on dressing up for Halloween. And I said, I don't really, they all want to be princesses, and they were going to have fairy wings on. I was like, I just don't have anything. Oh man, no dressy dresses. I guess I can't do it. Well, they went in there and they said, well, what about your wedding dress? <laughs> so I went to Halloween with my wedding dress on. So it was fun. So getting in there and doing it and playing with them is honestly just the, the best way to encourage that imagination. Making a task a game. Um, I know that with Evelyn, if I can make it a race of who's going to eat their peas, or right now she's in a potato thing. Um, who can eat it the fastest, um, you know, she'll, she'll be on it. And so then the scoreboard reads, one mommy, zero Evelyn. And that always makes me really happy when I read it like that. So what tasks have you turned into games? As parents or as foster parents, um, what tasks can you identify that you have made games and it's been kind of a successful ordeal? Getting that is a good one. Okay, anything else? No? Yeah, who gets dressed the fastest? Yes. The, for us, it's the shoes. If I could just, the shoes. It's just such a problem for our house. Okay, so in a big thing they're doing right now is asking why. So this can be both fun and embarrassing, okay? For example, when your child asks the other lady in the grocery store why she has a different color, or when your five-year-old says, where do babies come from? And I'm definitely in that stage. You're like, so mom, what's, what's going to happen with that baby? And I'm like, well, let me go to the sexual integrity class first. And then we'll talk about it. Um, so if you haven't gotten that question yet, just you wait. It's a real treat. So thankfully, though, at this stage, they're not asking for the answers to life's biggest questions. Okay, they're, it's pr probably more like, why do I have to go to bed and my eight-year-old brother doesn't have to go to bed? Or, you know, why do we have to brush our teeth? Uh, so thankfully, it's pretty easy right now. This tough stuff comes later. So what are preschoolers experiencing spiritually? Um, with preschoolers living in a world of imagination, stories about God become stories about them. And this is probably my favorite part of my three- and five-year-old right now. Reggie Joyner in the book said, they can relate to an invisible God they could imagine. And that, to me, is just so cool. Sometimes in our adult brains, we get so locked up, you know, in reality, reality, reality. And it's just so great to see them um, be able to just imagine this invisible God and just, um, just grow in that. Um, now, sometimes this can be funny. And don't ever think they're embellishments. Sometimes it's better to leave the monkey in the manger scene. Um, it'll, it'll happen later. 
that that'll come later. Um, I think we were when we were going through the series um, about. Um, Jesus's birth, if you were here at Brookwood, they were like, well, actually, you know, this was later and, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, but I like the manger scene looking that way. And so, you know, our kids were like, well, I thought this was in the manger scene. And we were like, you know what? We're just going to leave that alone. We're just going to leave that one alone. I actually said that earlier. Okay. So do you guys have any great additions to Bible stories that uh, your kids have made? Have any of you seen that YouTube video where the kids tell the story and the adults act it out? That is so great to me. That is one of my favorite things. So have you guys had any crazy things where they come home and say, well, my teacher said that, you know, Moses actually rode a whale across the Red Sea. Anything weird like that? No? Evidently, my kids are just crazy. They do that all the time. So one thing um, that Perry often says that is just so true is that our perception of our heavenly father is often formed by our earthly father. And that's very true. So at this point, they're learning more about God's love and God's family through what they witness in you as parents. And that can be scary. I know it can be scary for me, um, for sure. And this is the time when lasting relationships can start being built with God's people. And so it's important in those times to influence those who influence your children. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking more about as we go through. But Jordan is going to come. I was really nice and gave Jordan all the hard stuff. So um, he's going to come and do a fantastic job of talking about um, technology and sexual identity and things like that. Check. One, two. All right. Is everyone still awake? Yeah, sort of. How many of you guys have been to a, a conference like this before? Anyone? A couple of you, maybe? Well, if this is your first time to a conference like this, welcome. Um, so yeah, so my name's Jordan. Um, I am the elementary production coordinator, so I actually hang out with grades one through four on a Sunday morning. Um, I've been doing that the past year. Before that, I was over with the fifth and sixth graders for about three and a half years. Um, I am not married, so I'm not going to have a lot of personal stories. A lot of what I'm going to talk about today is going to be facts, but I am dating um, this girl, uh, a special girl, her name's Emily. We actually met here in Brookwood. Um, we've been dating the past nine months, and that's been a joy. But the main thing that I want you guys to know today is every kid matters. All right? Every kid matters, even the ones that might smell weird, might act weird, they all matter. And it's important for them to understand that. It's also important for you, parents, small group leaders, foster parents, whatever your role is, to understand this, that every kid is made in the image of God, to love God with all their heart, soul, and strength, and to trust Jesus for a better future. Um, in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Moses is talking to the Israelites and I'm going to go ahead and read this verse and then kind of explain what it's saying. So, verse 4. Israel, listen to me. The Lord is our God. The Lord is the one and only God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Love him with all your strength. The commandments I give you today must be in your hearts. Make sure your children learn them. Talk about them when you are at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road. 
Speak about them when you go to bed and speak about them when you get up. Write them down and tie them on your hands as a reminder. Also tie them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames. Write them on the door frames of your houses. Also write them on your gates. So it sounds like these commandments are pretty important. Um, and it's going to be a way for kids to understand how to live a life that is going to be pleasing to God. Um, something else that Moses tells the crowd is that the Lord is the one and only God. So when kids begin to understand they are made in the image of God, they tend to look at the world and themselves in a different way. Um, this one perspective can affect how they make decisions, view sexual integrity, use technology, re relate to their parents, see church, care about people, and trust God. And so I'm going to focus on sexual integrity real quick. And the definition for this is guarding my potential for intimacy through appropriate boundaries and mutual respect. So a couple of these appropriate boundaries are the correct display of love. It's important for kids to understand this. Um, discovering their body belongs to them. They're starting to ask questions. They're starting to notice differences. Uh, proper names of the body is also important. And defining privacy. So, you need to display love to your child or to the kid you're watching. If a child is not seeing proper love displayed, they will have a hard time understanding what proper love looks like in their life. Their parents need to show love towards each other or if you're a small group leader, whatever your role is, your child or kid that you are with, they need to see proper love. They need to see you showing it. Um, if they see somebody who's mean and aggressive all the time, guess what? That's what the kid's going to learn. That's what they're going to see, and that's how they're going to comprehend and think, well, this is how I need to act. When kids see themselves the way a loving adult sees them, it'll change how they see themselves. I'm going to say that one more time. When a kid sees themselves the way a loving adult sees them, it changes how they see themselves. Um, your children is starting to discover their body. Um, and it's important for your child to have a positive view on their body. I know sometimes they, they start to notice differences or maybe they notice something on their face and it, it doesn't look, it, lo it looks out of place. It's important for you to explain to them explain to them that God created them and that the way they are created, God intended that for a purpose. Um, you can also let your kids know that you enjoy watching them grow. You know, you enjoy watching them get taller, they start running around, and you can let them know that God created their legs, arms, hands, penis, chest, feet. Um, their eyes, nose, vagina, heart, head, mouth. He created all of it. And all these things will grow and have some impact in their life. And kids need to hear positive views from you guys. Because here's the thing. They're not hearing it from other people. You know, whether it's their own peers, people their age, they're not necessarily always hearing positive things. Um, if I were to ask you guys what the proper names of the body Hopefully all you would, you know, you would have some sort of idea, but 
at this age, it is important for kids to understand these names. Yes, I said penis and vagina a few minutes ago, and some of you might have been a little bit shocked and been like, did he really just say that? But here's the thing. It's important for kids to know those words. It's important for them to understand that those are private areas, that that is privacy that they need to have. And they need to be able to say to somebody, hey, so-and-so, you know, touched me here inappropriately. And an adult needs to, uh, needs to understand, okay, I need to address this. Um, it's also important to know that both boys and girls have special roles. Um, the next section is privacy, and this kind of goes with discovering their body. But they're starting to notice... Um, like Amy said, they're starting to notice differences. They're starting to ask these questions, you know, why, is, why does this person look different than me? Why does this person, you know, walk a different way? Why does this person talk a different way? So they're starting to know these differences. And uh, it's important to explain to them that, you know, especially if they have a brother or a sister, you know, they might say, well, why does, you know, why does my brother have, you know, this thing? Why... Why does he have a you know, penis? And to explain to them that God created you as a girl, you know, a beautiful girl, and you're going to have different parts than your brother. But God also created your brother with a purpose. So letting them understand the way God created them. Um, sometimes it's polite to look away. Um, I know, well, I don't know physically. I've heard stories, but... Sometimes, you know, kids, whether they're two, three, whatever, if they're home, they might be running around butt naked. You know, and everyone's like, oh, ha! But then they're going to be like, oh, okay, they're laughing. I'm going to keep doing this. But it's important to explain to your, your children or the kids you're watching, like, hey, it's okay to not watch. It is funny, but we need to get clothes on them. You know, or if mommy's changing, you know, hey, I'm going to change real quick. Just go wait out there, okay? To let them understand that, okay, there is this sense of privacy. There is this sense of, okay, I don't always need to be there. Um, the next thing, every kid wants to be loved, all right? So it's important to remember this. I know we just talked about it a little bit in the sexual integrity, but every kid wants to be loved. No kid wants to be left out. No kid doesn't want to be loved. I think the same is true for all of us in this room. We all want to be loved. So Remember that, um, especially in this phase. Um, a great resource is a book called The Story of Me. Uh, we actually have a copy over on that small table. So afterwards, if you want to look through it, feel free. Um, basically, it's a four-part, four-book series. And the first part explains um, God's love and goodness, um, the nurturing family uh, as God's context, uh, context for love, why God wants each baby to have a mommy and a daddy, and the specialness of being made a boy or a girl. So that was sexual integrity. The next part we're going to focus on real quick is technology. And the definition for this is enjoy the advantages so they will experience boundaries and have positive exposure. And one of the resources for this is a book called uh, Parent Chat. If you were in the grades, one through four breakout, they talked about this a little bit, but this is a book that helps you um, as an adult talk to the, the child um, 
to go over some of uh, the resources about technology, the benefits of it, but then also some things to put in place. Um, how many of you have exposed your child to the internet? Anyone at this age? Okay. Um, the internet is not bad. There, there are some stuff that definitely is, but there are stuff that's good. And one thing with this, um, you know, being in a church, but explaining to parents that, you know, whether it's YouTube or something, there's stuff on there that's okay. You just have to be aware of what's happening. Um, especially as your child gets older, you need to be familiar with what they're looking at, whether it's a new app, whether it's a YouTube video they want to see. So the main thing with that is never Google alone. Um, basically with that, everyone knows what Google is, right? Yeah. Um, with Google, you can go on, you can type in whatever, and you're going to get an answer. But here's the thing, and I've heard this more with kids as they get older, they're going to ask these questions, and they're not getting good advice. They're getting advice from the world. So your child, they're going to see you use Google, and they're going to be like, oh, wow, I can just put in whatever I want, and it'll give me an answer. And they might put in something simple. You know, maybe they put in, like, let's say they love the stars, and they put in, when is the next full moon? And something else comes up, and it's like, ah! You know, and you're like, what are you looking at? I was just, the moon. And you're like, okay. So if they don't Google alone, if there's that rule where you have in place, hey, if you want to get on the internet, tell mom or dad. We'll come sit down with you, and we'll, we'll look up something on Google with you. Um, it's important to have screen-free zones and times. And so most everyone has an iPhone or Android or tablet or a smartphone um, nowadays. So with this, your kids are seeing it more and more. They're growing up in this world where it's more common to use this technology. And so with that, it's important to have screen-free zones and times. Um, a friend of mine, he, uh, they actually set these boundaries in place for their four-year-old. And so in the morning, um, in the morning, there's no, no technology. And for, for them, that allows their son to make his bed, eat breakfast, um, get ready for school, and he's not distracted. So he'll go to school, and then when he gets home, they allow 30 minutes, 45 minutes, they sit down, they play with him, and he has some time to unwind. You know, he's had a long day at school. And then when it's time for, for dinner, all right, we're putting the, the phone away, we're putting the, the tablet away. Um, we're going to eat at the table, we're going to talk. And that's something else is important. If, if you have these areas where you set up and say, okay, no phones, you know, apply it to your husband, your spouse, you know, whoever, we're going to put our phones away, we're going to talk. Because if they see, you know, hey, you can't have your phone up here, but then you pull it out and you're texting, they're going to be like, well, why do you get to have yours? But I can't. So if you just decide, all right, at the table, no technology. It'll help them understand that they can't use it. Um, you're going to want to do things together with your child. Amy talked about this a little bit, so I'm not going to focus too much on it, but it's important to um, spend time with them. 
you will never know your kids the way you need to know them if you don't take time to discover their world again and again. All right? So if you really want to know that child, you need to take the time to play with them, hang out with them, so that you can have that, that relationship, that interest with them. Um, a great resource um, is called Triple Click or Guided Access. Um, if you want, I can talk about this a little bit later. But basically what this uh, does is it allows you to put a password on an app. So if you have a game that they like to play, I don't know what's popular. I know Angry Birds was at one point. But you can put this in, program it for 15 minutes, give the device to them. Once the 15 minutes are up, you have to put in a password to even do anything which you would have. Um, also, when you do this, they cannot exit that app. So you don't have to worry about them backing out and opening something else without you looking. It ties it into that one specific area. Um, the next section is authentic faith. And this is trusting Jesus in a way... Nope. There we go. Trusting Jesus in a way that transforms how I love God myself, and the rest of the world. And uh, a great app for this um, is the Bible app for kids. And so with it, you know, this is something where you can spend that time with, you know, your child, and they want to use a smartphone. And you can get this app and say, hey, let's, let's read a, a quick Bible story. And then after we're done with this, you can play this game for 20 minutes. So that way, they're getting to use technology for something that is good, but at the same time, they're getting to use technology for something that's fun. Um, also, at this stage, it is important for you to encourage them to pray. And so when you're praying, um, you want to pray for God out loud. You want to pray for others and teach them, you know, just kind of some of the, the basics. Because at this part, some kids are going to want to pray. And they might pray about crazy stuff, but that's okay. Um, just encourage them to pray. Another thing that you can start doing is repeating simple Bible verses, um, such as, do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you. At this age, they're starting to, they're starting to remember some things, you know, and they're starting to learn new things, and they're interested in learning new things. So take a small verse and just repeat it for a week two weeks, and eventually they'll start to remember it. Um, kids are starting to wonder, who is God? And they are starting to uh, discover, who am I? And we talked about those a little bit earlier. Um, in your handouts, or not handouts, but we gave you some uh, kindergarten and three and four um, phase booklets, and in it, um, in the middle, there is a section talking about basic truths. And basic truths are simply specific, memorable phases that you want kids to know and never forget. Um, so for this age group, there's actually two different. There's the one for three and four, which is very simple. Um, it's God made me, God loves me, Jesus wants to be my friend forever. And then when they get up to kindergarten, it's I can trust God no matter what, 
I need to make the wise choice, and I should treat others the way I want to be treated. So those are simple, simple phrases that you can repeat to them that they can start to understand. You know, if you're saying, hey, you know, God made you, you know, and they start to, okay, God made me, God loves me. All right, Jesus wants to be my friend, but not just now, forever. So the more they hear it, the more they'll understand it. Um, also, another section in there down right underneath, so it was the three gray circles are the, the basic truths. Underneath that gives you some different opportunities, different times to spend time with your child. Um, and it talks about morning, drive time, bath time, cuddle time. Because uh, going back to what Moses said in Deuteronomy, he said it's important to, to talk with them. You know, when you wake up, when you're walking along the road, when you're eating. So take advantage of these times. Because uh, here's the thing. You, you might seem like you have a lot of time with them now. As they grow up, that time is slowly going to keep shrinking. And eventually they're going to get to the point where they're like, okay, I really don't need you so much. I'm starting to do this on my own. So if you can start doing it now, start spending that time with them, then as they grow up, they're going to understand how much you love them. And there will be times where they're like, ah, don't tell me I, I know what to do. I don't need you but they'll still be able to remember that, okay, my mom spent time with me in the morning, every morning, and talked to me and prayed for me. You know, that stuff will have a huge impact. Um, and one of those resources for faith is shepherding a child's heart. And we have that on the table if you want to look through it. Um, all right, so Adventure Week. Have any of you guys heard of this before? Some of you, if you come here to Brookwood or... Even if you don't come here to Brookwood, um, this is our VBS that we do every year. This is actually our 10th year um, putting on Adventure Week. And so this year we're talking about gadgets and gizmos and how each child is uniquely created. Um, God had a plan, you know, for all of us. He knew what he was doing. So that is a great opportunity for um, preschoolers to come. Um, however, for preschoolers for this age group, we do ask that you volunteer, and uh, we have a separate area for them. Um, we go over music, uh, Bible stories, and during those five days, they get an opportunity to interact with a small group leader that loves them, that cares for them, and they're seeing this small group leader the whole week. So this, I mean, Sundays are great. But having this week, having that time, a lot of kids are able to start learning more. And their life is really impacted because of this week. Um, another thing that I want to mention, and then Amy's going to come up and talk about small group real quick. But um, our large group on Sundays. Um, basically, it's like Adventure Week, except just on one day. They come in. We have puppets, music, um, with hand motions, a short short lesson, um, you know, and then we also talk back about God made me, God loves me, and Jesus wants to be my friend forever. So um, Amy's going to come up and do the small group section real quick, and then we'll do some questions and answers. Okay, so um, 
like he mentioned in large group, um, downstairs, it's a lot of hype. It's a lot of jumping. It's a lot of dancing. It's a lot of singing your head off. And that is why I love um, small groups. Um, and I think the reason I like it is I actually adapt Brookwood's small group material um, for actually all the pods. Um, and so it's just really great to know exactly what they're learning. And this is just a time for the small group leaders to build off of the lesson um, through fun activities. So instead of all the, woo, let's praise, let's jump, let's, it's okay, let's sit down and let's do this little activity. And we're going to talk about how this activity uh, connects into this bigger picture, into this lesson. And so oftentimes with preschoolers, getting them to do hands-on is the best way to get them to understand a concept. Now, the importance of a small group leader. I can say with absolute certainty that the most important resource we provide here at Brookwood is a small group leader. And Rita Pearson said, if you gain influence in a kid's life now, you stand a better chance of having influence with them later when it matters even more. Because right now, like we've said numerous times, at three, four, and five, you're not dealing with the big issues quite yet. But if you start there, if you start with that, that foundation, you're setting yourself up long term, which is the most important thing that you can do. The big thing is, is kids don't learn from people they don't like. And that, that's, just, that's just the truth of it. Kids don't learn from people they don't like. And so getting with that small group leader that is influencing their, their life, that is asking about their life, that is speaking with the parents, that is a crucial role here at Brookwood. And I want to explain the power of a consistent adult. And that's what a small group leader becomes to your child, um, is a consistent adult. Um, unfamiliar faces can terrify especially at three, four, and five. You know, if I've got a, a room that's having a struggle getting a consistent teacher in there, you've got those kids that every week, if it's a different face, uh, they're going to have a hard time getting into that classroom. And that's totally understandable. They're starting to get into that stranger danger, you know, type age. And so unfamiliar faces can terrify. And consistency brings connection, and connection brings comfort. And that is exactly what we try to achieve here with our small group leaders. Now, there's the great thing about small group leaders is that you guys are keeping each other informed. A well-informed small group leader is a more equipped small group leader. I have parents that will even text their small group leader and go, okay, listen, this is what happened this morning. He wouldn't get his shoes on. It turned into a huge deal. He decided that he was going to hate everything about this day. And so then that small group leader has a heads up. So we really strive to have that connection. And because I am the volunteer coordinator for Pod B, I am, of course, going to say, if you want to be a small group leader or a consistent adult, there are interest forms over there. Write your name down. Because we are always looking for uh, a small group leader because we believe so strongly in the power of a small group leader's relationship with your child as well as your relationship with that small group leader. If you have any questions about this message, you can reach us at our email, students at brookwoodchurch.org. If you have children of other ages, be sure to listen to our other podcasts labeled with the corresponding age group. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.